encourage you now to join me in taking your Bibles and turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 9 through 12. Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 9 through 12. Last week at the beginning of this chapter we made this turn in the story, the narrative of Nehemiah, this turn from one project to another. We've been majoring on Nehemiah's call to Jerusalem and that is to restore and rebuild the wall. And that project is now done. But the story doesn't end there. Because as we've seen and we've talked about, the wall was there to serve a purpose, not just a defensive structure, but to serve as a, as a wall, as a safety for God's people to now gather together as a covenant community to worship the Lord and the freedom of being the covenant community. So now the project wall is done now we begin to see the project of restoring and rebuilding the spiritual nature and good of the covenant community. And this project was not initiated by Ezra or Nehemiah or any other Levites or priests. It was initiated by the covenant community. People like you who came to Ezra the priest and asked that he gather the other religious leaders to lead them in a time of reading and preaching of God's word. And so they set the example for us, as we saw in our alliteration last week, that we are called to be devoted to God's word. And we are to desire God's word, and from that we are to be dedicated to living out God's word. That's who we are as Christians. That's where spiritual good comes from. That we are devoted to God's word. This is the the bread that we want to live off of. This is the spiritual food that nourishes us. So which means there has to be a desire for us. Who do we want to hear from first? Who do we want to hear from most? It's the Lord. But James tells us, you're not just called to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. One of the truths we don't like to face in the church is there's a lot of hearers of God's word in hell. Because all they did was listen and they never did it. And the faith isn't about just what we confess with our mouth, it's what we confess with our lives. So we have to be dedicated to living out God's word. And that leads us then into this next phase of the project of restoration and rebuilding of the spiritual nature and good of the covenant community. And it deals with the day of the week. This day of restoring the Sabbath day as a day unlike any other, a day that is special to God's people, a day they call a delight, a day that they they find joy in. So we will see that, talk about that some more in our passage reading this morning and then sermons. Let me pray for us as we come before God's word. Lord, we pray this morning that this is the word we are devoted to, that we have desired, that we are dedicated to. And I pray this is a word that will strengthen your saints and will call sinners to repentance. Lord, be at work in and through the ministry of your word this morning. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Nehemiah 8, verses 9 through 12. We will stand together now for the reading of God's word. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, 
Go your way, eat the fat, drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. The grass withers and the flowers save, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. You may be seated. We all have those days that are special to us. Maybe it's your birthday. My birthday is June 29th for you to remember. And on June 1st, I declared the month of James because it's my birthday and it's Father's Day. And so my family has to live underneath the burden of that every year underneath the month of James. But birthdays are special. Your birthday, a child's birthday, your spouse's birthday, you know, that birthday you never want to forget. Maybe another special day for you is the wedding anniversary. Or maybe it's the anniversary of a loved one who's passed. We have our holidays. But I would believe that each of us have a day that is special to us. And we find that these days that are special to us, we treat differently. It's not just another day of the week to us. If your special day falls on a Monday, you're going to treat that Monday differently than the other 51 Mondays of the year, aren't you? Your birthday, an anniversary, a holiday is going to be different than the other 51 days of that year. And on that day, you're going to want to celebrate with others. If it's your birthday, you're going to want your your favorite cake or ice cream. It's a day maybe where you spend in in, in memories. A, A day to be thankful for all of God's gracious provisions. It may be a day for weeping. As you remember a loved one who's passed away and they're no longer there with you and you only have their memories. So these special days can be a day of joy. They can be a day of mourning, of laughter, and of tears. But we all have a day that is special to us. It's a day that is unlike any other and we treat it specially. In our passage this morning, we come to such a day in Nehemiah. It's a special day, and it's a day that is integral in restoring and rebuilding the spiritual nature and good of the covenant community. It's a day that began with the reading and preaching of God's word. And in that, it led to this collective weeping of the people, but then an admonition to joy. Do not cry revel in the joy of the Lord. And this day in Nehemiah isn't a day just for them. It's today. It's the Sabbath day. They were reading about is the Lord's day, which is a creation ordinance. Because Genesis tells us God created in how many days? Six. And what did he do on the seventh day? He rested. And what's the fourth commandment tell us? Remember what day? The Sabbath day to keep it 
holy. This day is a special day. It's a day meant to be special unto the people of God. But for us, on our end, it's a matter of the heart. The Lord's Day is not meant to be a day of rules. Not a a day of a list of, okay, I can do this, but I can't do this. It's not a day we're just meant to check off. This day, a day can only be special to us for us to experience on our end when it becomes a matter of your heart and my heart. As we said, the construction of the wall is now complete. The people have gathered in the city for scripture reading and exhortation is the Lord's Day, it's the Sabbath day. Ezra and 13 others stand on this custom-built wooden platform in a pulpit, while other Levites and instructors move them on the crowd, providing explanation of what was being read and what they were hearing. And while they, Ezra and his team read from the first five books of the Old Testament, the Levites were going around giving dissents, providing a running commentary. And as this was happening... The effect of this on the people was nothing short of overwhelming, as we read in verse 9. All the people wept as they heard the words of the law. So we can imagine this great big stage up there. You've got 14 priests who are taking turns reading through the first five books of the Old Testament, the five books of the, uh, 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 the, uh, the five, the first five books of the Old Testament, sorry, reading through that. You've got other priests who are walking throughout this this group of people. They're helping them understand. And one by one, these people begin to weep. And and, and weeping is a physical action, isn't it? This isn't quiet tears. This isn't something you have to look at and go, are they crying? Or do they just have to sneeze? This is ugly crying. Face is red and blotchy, and tears are coming, streaming out of your cheeks. You keep on having to wipe your nose. Why are they weeping this way? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One is because they have been away from this for so long. It's been so long since they were gathered together in the freedom of God's people to be the covenant community, to to sit underneath the reading and preaching of God's word. Matter of fact, it's been over 70 years years since they've had this. They were God's people. And it's been 70 years since they had the freedom to do this. So you can imagine it was emotionally overwhelming for them. They, they, they've heard of this from their, 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 their parents and their grandparents and their aunts and uncles, but so many of them had never been able to experience it. Now they were, they were emotionally overwhelmed by it. That this is what they had been created for, what they had been redeemed for. And now they're able to enjoy it in its fullness. It's the Lord's Day. And they get to gather together with other believers and sit underneath the reading and preaching of God's Word. And it's emotionally overwhelming for them. In my calendar, I mark the beginning of COVID as March 15th, 2020. It was a Sunday. And that morning we had a session meeting. And I can remember... Get ready to leave and tell him, Beth, my wife, I was like, I think we probably got to talk about something about COVID with the session. Might be something we have to address. And so at the session meeting, we said, well, we we hear about this COVID. Maybe we just, you know, for for the rest of the month of March, 
on Wednesday nights, we don't have meals. We'll still gather together, but we're not going to have meals. Then that afternoon, Governor Henry McMaster came on TV and said, we're shutting down everything. So March 15, 2020 was the last day we worshiped together as a covenant community through the month of March, through the month of April, and through the month of May. And the first Sunday of June, we were able to gather back together as a covenant community here at Bethel ARP for worship. To be together like this, to sit underneath the reading and preaching of God's word. And on that Sunday, so many of you expressed about how good it was to be back together. That two and a half months away was so long to be away from each other and from this. To be away from our gathering together to worship. So imagine instead of it being two and a half months, and since we were quarantined for 70 years, means many of us would have died never being back together again. Some of our children would only have faint memories of it because they would be in their 70s or 80s for they able to gather back together again. There would be generations of this church who had never known what it was like pre-2020, to gather together as a covenant community. And we think of it that way, we can understand how emotionally overwhelming it was then for these people. So they wept in gratitude and are able to be back together for worship and able to celebrate the Lord's Day together. But another reason for their weeping was the work of the Holy Spirit. It was like they were hearing the word of God read for the very first time. First time they had heard it. And this word did what it, 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 scripture tells us to do. It's, it's living and it's active. It, it searched them. It, it, it tried them according to God's holiness. And it found them wanting. So here's this group of people. And they're convicted of their sin. Not just sorry of it. But having this deep awareness of their sin. And the sensitivity. A deep sensitivity to the sin. So as they read through the boring books of the Bible, right? We get through Genesis, we can deal with that Exodus, right? Then you get to Leviticus. Maybe we weep trying to get through Leviticus. Then Numbers. But the Lord used that to convict them of their sins. God was speaking to them. And was reading their hearts. And through the ministry of the Spirit, even in the words of Leviticus, even the words of Numbers, helped them to understand that they are sinners, they are lawbreakers, and they are guilty of being more concerned with their self than with pleasing God. They were guilty, not just feeling guilt, but a realization that their sin rendered them liable to God's just punishment. This guilt overtook them. And it brought them to tears, to ugly crying. Because they're weeping as sinners before a holy God. They're weeping as those who are guilty before the righteous judge. It's like they're sitting in the courtroom. And every one of their sins have been listed out. And they're, under, they're sitting as a judge, as God. And they realize they are guilty. And they realize they deserve nothing but hell for this. And they weep. It brings them to tears. 
we find that there are times in our lives when God works through his word in such a way that he shines his light so brightly on our sins that we can no longer ignore them. It brings us to tears. We weep under the reality of our sin. Because in God's word from God himself is full proof of how sinful I am. And how deeply rooted my sin is in my heart and my mind. And how truly sick and wicked my sinful heart is. And as unpleasant as those times are, they're good for us. Because the Spirit of God uses this conviction to lead to repentance. When you go through the history of the church, you see time and time again, revival takes place not through great preaching, not through programs, not through any sort of extracurricular activity to church. Revival takes place through the preaching of God's word. And underneath that preaching, there is repentance. There is, there, there is this understanding of how sinful we really are. And so the people begin to turn away from their sin and towards God. Do you remember Peter's sermon on Pentecost? We may remember that Peter preached on Pentecost. But do you remember what he preached? He preached a sermon. And during the sermon, it said that the people were cut to the heart. And so at the end of it, all they could do is cry out, what shall we do? Peter, through the Holy Spirit and through God's word, you made known to us how sinful we are. So what shall we do? Peter points them to Jesus. Here's faith. Here's repentance. Here's obedience. 3,000. 3,000 men and women and children sitting under the preaching of a fisherman turned to Christ that day. It's a matter of the heart. On this special day, the Lord's Day, the covenant community was cut to the heart through the reading and preaching of God's word. It's a cut that led to weeping over the reality of their sin. Why is this day special? Because in the matter of our hearts, we are cut by the reality of our sinfulness and sins. But as we see with this community, with this narrative, Weeping isn't their posture that they're meant to keep. When Ezra and the others see what's happening, they begin to counsel them. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Go your way. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet wine. Send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So this day, the Lord's Day, the Sabbath day, the day that is meant to be holy to the Lord your God, isn't a day of weeping. It's not a day of rules. It's not a day of keeping you from things. It's a day that's meant for joy. This is a joyful day for all of God's people. And joy is something that should be near and dear to our ARP Christian hearts. Because we go over often... The first shorter catechism question, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and what? 
find joy in him, enjoy him to find our joy in God. And I like how one pastor explains it. That this question, the Westminster Divines, the authors insist. They're not teaching, they're not preaching, they're not advising, they're, they're not counseling. They're insisting that you were made to find your joy in God. We're not made to find our joy in other things. We're made to find it in God because joy is the serious business of God and His Word. That's His plan from the very beginning. We think about the account of the creation of Adam and Eve. Before sin, they did what? They found joy in face-to-face fellowship with God. He would come down and walk through them through this beautiful garden in the cool of the day, and they enjoyed it. That's what the psalmist is thinking of in Psalm 43, 4, when he says, God is my exceeding joy. And then we think of Paul through the Holy Spirit commanding the Philippians and all Christians to rejoice. Again, I will say rejoice, not an option, not something we should think about, it's something we should do. And then we go through the fruit of the Spirit. What's the first fruit of the Spirit? Love. What's the second one? Joy. Joy is the serious business of God and His Word. And that's why when Ezra and Nehemiah and the others hear the sound of weeping, they intervene. Stop. Stop, 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 stop. No, be joyful. When we're done, I want you to go home and I want you to cook a great meal. All the delicious food, barbecue, boiled peanuts, mac and cheese. These are all my favorite foods. Go home, make all your favorite delicious food, and go find the best vintage of wine. Pour it in all the glasses. Have a joyful feast, and then take all that good food and wine to others who have no need, so you can share the joy with them. It's not a day of burden, it's a day of joy. And the Levites are having to order the people to calm and be quiet. Don't be tearful, don't be sobbing, be joyful. And this helps us get a firm grasp on what true joy is. The world tells us that we find joy out there. That's a, it's a fleeting joy, it's an empty joy, it's a hell-bent joy. We may think joy is circumstantial. It's only at the beach. It's only at Edisto. It's only at Bon Clarkin. It only happens by random chance. True joy comes from the Lord. And true joy comes from the Lord on this day. This day for the covenant community was meant to be a day of joy for us. We can think of it like recharging our batteries. My mom bought our son Patrick one of those like little electric go-karts, buggy sort of thing. It's green and yellow, so he called it his John Deere. And it runs off of a battery. You get about 45 minutes off of it. You got to take it out, plug it up, and recharge it. Thankfully, my mom was smart enough to get two batteries so we could kind of keep it going. But this day is meant to be like recharging a battery where we come together in order to be recharged and to joy the Lord by gathering together to worship, to sit under the reading and preaching of God's word. Because what happens 
In God's word, we're given a sense of the depth of our sins, how rooted in sinfulness our minds and hearts are. We, we are brought to tears. We, 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 our, our knees are, are buckling underneath the eternal reality of it. But then we're pointed to the joy of the Lord. This is who you are. And here's the joy that the holy and righteous God is the same God who will forgive you of your sins. And think about what scripture teaches us. I was conceived in sin, says Paul, or says, says David. Paul says you were born dead in your sins and trespasses. You were once enemies of God. You were set against God. This is who we were. And God promises the joy that he would be merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide. He will not keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. That's joy, isn't it? To know that this is who I am in my sinful state, and I deserve nothing but the deepest, darkest pits and corners of hell, yet from God's perfect, triune love, he turns everyone who turns to him for salvation. He saves everyone who turns in for salvation. Those who are truly broken by their sins. Who will weep over their sins. Who who knees buckle under the weight, the eternal weight of their sin. Those who turn to him because he has promised this. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Joy is not in money. Joy is not in sexuality. Joy is not in social media. Joy is not in all these things the world tells us. Joy is in this. You were going to hell. And God stood in the way. You were bound for hell hand in hand with the devil himself, and God stood in the way. And because of the finished work of Christ, you are now forgiven and you are now justified. You are treated as if you had never sinned because of the gracious love and forgiving mercy of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's joy. And we're called to live in the joy of the Lord. We're told, be holy as God is holy. What's that mean? What means this? We live by faith in Christ, in and for the joy of the Lord. Holiness and joy fit together hand in glove. We often think of holiness as, I don't get to do all the fun things I want to do, right? All the sinful things that make me happy, I have to give that up to leave a boring life where it's just no fun, but hey, at least I'll be able to go to heaven and ride on a cloud and have my own harp and suffer that way for eternally. eternally. But at least I'm not burning up in hell. But what we find is that true joy is living in the way we've been called to live. 
to die more and more to our sins and to live more unto Christ who is the true joy of our hearts. Joy can only come from the Lord. And we can only live in joy when we fully live for God. And this day was made for us to be reminded of it, to be refreshed in the reality of it. We are refreshed when we do this very thing. We gather together as a covenant community. When we sing hymns and psalms together, we pray with and for each other as we sit underneath the faithful reading and preaching of God's word. Treating other things as better does not bring more joy. We don't find joy in ignoring this day. We find joy when we find this day to be special because it's a day holy to the Lord your God and we come together to be recharged. We celebrate the goodness of God and worship and enjoy the good things of life and such as good food and drink and friends and family. This is meant to be a day of joy. So which means in closing, this day is a matter of the hearts. As a professing Christian, as a part of this covenant community, is this day special to you? Do you find joy in this day? Is your heart set on this day? Often when Reformed Presbyterians talk about the Sabbath day, the discussion almost inevitably turns to whether or not, uh, or to, to the issues of whether or not we can go out to eat on this day. Or can we go shopping? Or can we be involved with sports? Can we watch TV? Those are all worthy of discussion. But they're all secondary to the hearts. We have to start with asking if this is a day special. Is this a day different from the rest? A day, not an hour. A day, not two hours. Is this day a day of joy to you? Do we heed the words of the prophet Isaiah when he says... If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and a holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, not seeking your own pleasure, not talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. That's joy right there, right? You're riding on the heights of the earth. You're so joyful, your feet aren't just not touching the ground, they're above the clouds. You don't get that joy by skipping church, by ignoring this day, by treating this day as so every other day. But we have this problem with our theology. And the problem with our theology is when we come to difficult texts like this, we go, that's Old Testament people. That's for the Old Testament people. And yes, there are things in the Old Testament that are for the Old Testament people. Well, we don't have an altar here. We're sacrificing lambs on it this morning. But if we were to take away everything from the Old Testament, what would we be left with? Well, we don't have the story of creation, do we? And what are we going to teach the children of VBS? We can't teach them about the flood. Or David and Goliath. What are we going to do with the Ten Commandments? Go ahead and kill. We're New Testament people. The commandment, you shall not murder, murder, that's just for those Old Testament people. Grab your guns, grab your knives, grab your bats, kill each other. All in the name of the Lord, right? So it's not true, but let's, let's ride with that for a minute. Let's think about what the New Testament says about 
this day being special. Luke 4, 16, Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. Jesus, your elder brother, your Lord, did what on, on, on the Sabbath day? He went to church. He delighted in the Sabbath day. He found his joy in it. He did not neglect it. Think about all the bad preaching Jesus had to sit under. Think about every worship service Jesus sat in and watched people around him fall asleep. Or start counting how many planks are in the ceiling. Or look at their watch. Hebrews 10.25, do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day draw near. Why does counsel? Because this day is a day of joy for God's people. What scripture tells us is that the Lord so loves you that he gave you 52 special days of a year where you get to gather together and to joy the Lord, to delight in the worship of him and be recharged in our joy of who he is and what he has done. This day is a matter of the heart. So the question is, where is your heart this morning? Do you have a heart that's been so captured by Christ that you delight in this day, you find joy in it? That you have marked on your calendar every week, Sunday. And where am I going to be on Sunday? I'm going to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And the joy of the Lord who is my strength. May all of our hearts have been captured by Christ in such a way that we delight in this day which reminds us that we are sinners who are loved and saved by a great God who provides the way for us to live in such joy and blessing. Let's pray together.